Hello, I'm Michael Heyman, and you're listening to Changemakers. Now, do not go where the path may lead. Go instead where there is no path and leave a trail. This quote from Ralph Waldo Emerson could apply to so many changemakers, and it most certainly does for my guest today, Professor Mohamed Yunus. As a pioneer of microfinancing with Grameen Bank, Professor Yunus has helped to alleviate poverty for tens of millions of people in Bangladesh and in countries around the world. And the tool for this has been an economic lifeline and a future with small loans that look to bring out the entrepreneur in everyone. His activism in microfinancing and commitment to developing a better future was recognized in 2006 alongside Grameen Bank through the Nobel Peace Prize for his work to create economic and social development from below. Professor Yunus, welcome to Changemakers. It's an absolute pleasure to Thank have you. you on the show. Um, now, I'd like to start, if I may, with your top tip um, that accompanies this episode, which is to imagine the world you want to be in and go for it, defying everything that tries to stop you. Let's start by imagining your world. That's it, yeah. Well, I try to explain the, my world and kind of a, uh, give the features of the world that I'm looking for. And I sure. said, I'll try to build uh, a world of three zeros. Uh, zero net carbon emission. That would be the world with zero net carbon emissions. This is one part. Uh, second zero is zero wealth concentration. This will be a world where uh, no concentration of wealth. It will be shared and it will be uh, divided in, among all the people uh, with, through a system, not somebody pick it up and give it to you and give it, no. The system will make it in such a way that everybody will get their uh, share and nobody will concentrate it. Nobody has the opportunity to concentrate that wealth. That's really the system that we built. It's a zero wealth concentration. And zero unemployment because uh, artificial intelligence is coming to displace us from the, every job that we have thought of. Uh, so the human beings will be replaced by machines. So I want to stay away from the uh, world. I want to create a world where human beings are the one who's functioning, creating, taking care of it. Nobody's removing them from their job, from their work, from their vision and the mission in this planet. So this is the world of three zeros. Zero net carbon emission, zero wealth concentration, and zero unemployment. And, and it's also a world of natural entrepreneurs. I mean, because I suppose the, the driving energy that you see being unleashed is... Um, people that are not taking jobs, but creating jobs in terms of, or creating um, uh, economic productivity for themselves. I mean, you believe in the idea of entrepreneurship as a, as a naturally innately human thing, I believe. Yeah, I, I keep reminding that the, the way we have designed the economic theory, the conventional economic theory, it started on the wrong foot because they started telling that everybody has to have a job. So if you don't have a job, it's your fault, you're in problem, you didn't prepare yourself, Everything is you because uh, you didn't get the job. And uh, policymakers are always trying to create jobs for you so that you can go and get a job. So the job is the ultimate of human being. That's the way uh, the economic theory has been built up. I said, this is completely wrong path. The human beings are not here to accept a job with somebody else. Human beings are packed with all capacities, creative capacities inside of them, unlimited creative capacity. So I said, you're surrendering all your creative capacity to fit your, yourself into a tiny little slot called a job. So you put a giant of a human being into a tiny little slot so that the machine can work after that. I said, we are not such people that we converted into a little slot uh, to fit ourselves into a little slot. We are human beings with unlimited possibilities mm. and so on. We are creative beings. And that's what we are ever since we are on this planet. We solve our own problems. We created our own things. 
Job came only recently. Well, I was going to say, you, 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 I read here, human beings are not born to work for anybody else. How, I put how... it this way. I said uh, human beings are born as entrepreneurs. Right. So this, this is, yeah, they are not, they are not the ones born for serve somebody else as a kind of paid staff. So, so what went, what, what changed? What went wrong in terms of, because I, I, I love this idea of a world of entrepreneurs and all of that innovation and creativity and potential, but in mm. terms of why that, why that changed and what we should watch out for in the future, what, what do you take as the lesson? Yeah, the lesson is, uh, you see, the whole thing was uh, the first step in economic theory, economic theory is to define who the, these people are, what the human beings are. They assumed human beings are driven by self-interest. That's a feature, basic feature of human beings. They are driven by self-interest. And then we created a world which uh, performs that purpose of the human being uh, always working for himself or herself. It doesn't have any other vision except me. I'm, I'm in the center of the world. So I try to accomplish all those things. And this is translated in economic theory as profit maximization. You mm -hmm. go for profit maximization. So economists converted the real human being into some kind of um, uh, money-making machines. So we became a robots money-making machine. I see you destroyed the whole idea of human being. Human being not only has self-interest, it's a drive for the self-interest is there, but it's a major part of human being is driven by common interest. That common interest part was completely sidetracked by the economic theory. The economic theory doesn't have any common interest. It's always my interest, it's always self-interest. And then we created a world of common uh, self-interest and in extreme wealth concentration is the result of it. Global warming is the result of it. Unemployment is the result of it. So this is where beginning has been made. And in that process, you want to profit maximization. Somebody has to take the charge so that you can create businesses and so on. Others have to work for them mm -hmm. because you created a system where others have no opportunity to get that. So the moment you get into the track, making money, the more you have, the more you get from the financial system. So you continue to rise up. The people who are left out remain left out. So 90% of the people in the world is left out people. Mm. So only 10% is the people who are making money, getting in the top. That's why the extreme uh, wealth concentration could take place. It's the financial system which made it that way. So we have a completely uh, a system which works completely against the interest of the human being. I mean, I I was listening earlier today to the citation for um, your Nobel Peace Prize, and I guess two phrases sort of really um, sort of flew out at me in terms of listening to it: eliminating poverty in the world and the right to a decent life. Um, in terms of poverty eradication as an achievable end, um, and the right to a decent life in terms of what you see that as. I'd love to get your views and thoughts, you know, as you were listening to that in terms of actually how those things might be achieved. Yeah. First of all, uh, poverty is an artificially created situation. It's not natural to human being. The, our wrong thinking is reflected in poverty, wealth concentrations. Wealth concentration, the reverse part is the uh, poverty. So the bulk of the people in poverty, because 99% of the wealth is owned by only 1% of the population. So 99% of the population has to live with 1% of the wealth. And then there is also uh, categories 
who are within one percent, who are at the top of the one percent, who are middle and who are the low. So this is what the world we have created. This is this is a wrong thinking, wrong designing of the economic concepts mm. and economic framework. That's where we get. poverty is not created by poor people. That's a very important thing to remember. It's not a creation of poor people. Poverty is created by the system that we built, that which is just the reverse side of the wealth concentration. You have to have wealth concentration in order to have poverty for the rest of it. So this is how we are in the middle. You have a small segment who will be in the middle between the concentrated wealth and also in the people who are left out of the wealth. So this is the system. So we have to redesign the system. It doesn't continue to produce this result so that we can come out of it. That's why microcredit came. That's why financing well, issue became very well, important and so on. Well, we'll get on to the microcredit in a moment. But I mean, what, you've made that point about 1% owning 99% of the wealth. Um, is your view um, that the change you want to see is by a greater degree of enterprise that creates more wealth. Uh, because the the thing that I was interested in, it was that you don't like the word revolution in terms of change. So presumably the change isn't by the state turning around and saying, we will now acquire the, the wealth and the rights of that 1%. There's a, there's a different way is there in terms of the change that you see for the future. No matter what you do, uh, whether you're revolution or whatever else you want, the technique to change the world. Uh, if you if you stay with the same framework of economics, no revolution can get out of it. So you have a revolution to continue with this. It will be the same old uh, world that we have. Whether you're revolution, revolution only transfer the power from one group of people to another group of people or a, a, another bunch of people or something like that. So that's not the solution. The way I try to uh, point it out, I said, if you go through the same road, you always end up with the same destination. Mm. Old roads will take you to the same old destination. If you want to build a new destination, you have to build the new roads. There's no escape from that. So you cannot go to the old destination with the new road or the new destination with the old road. These are two different roads. So we have to create the road in order to reach that destination. I define my destination by saying it's a destination of three zeros. That's what I want to get. In order to reach that three zeros, I have to build new roads. All these issues come in connected with these new roads. The concept of employment, for example. So I said, it is a totally damaging concept. Why should anybody work for anybody else? So we, this is something that is entrepreneurs. Basically, we're born as entrepreneurs, but economic theory kind of plugged it out. It's, no, you're not entrepreneur, you'll be serving other people. And that is the basis on which mm. wealth concentration takes place. Imagine just for a second, if all human beings are entrepreneurs, just in kind of imaginary world, if everybody is an uh, entrepreneur, will there be any wealth concentration? No, because I don't work for anybody. If I don't work for you, you cannot get the wealth to concentrate in your hand. So you're just like me. So you are an entrepreneur, I'm an entrepreneur. As an entrepreneur, I pick my own wealth, you pick your own wealth. Everybody is picking their own wealth. So there is the concentration. So that has to be done in a way we create the institutions to make it happen. Just simply saying that you become entrepreneur doesn't happen. Well, you I was going to say, create so, an institution to do that. So, so you created microfinance as a model for helping to achieve that. But you also, um, I mean, I read here about things like the role of education, where you said, you know, give people education is the common response. Education, and then what? W what is the what? what? What happens, do you think? 
You see, I, when I say education, I said we, we are given the wrong education, the education to serve somebody. That's what, you see, all education and institution, the back of their mind, they design the center thing, you work hard, get good grades, get to the best school possible so that you can get a best job. So the end result is always a job. So we don't need that education system, which produces labor force. To just so this is, this is complete redesign, is it? Completely, <laughs> completely redesign of our thinking. It's, I'm not talking about redesigning everything that you have. You redesign your thinking process. I said the same education system should be teaching every single young person that look, as you grow up, you have two options. You can take a job, you can be a job seeker, or you can be an entrepreneur. That's all I'm saying. I'm not saying that you have to push everybody to enter. Education system should offer them. These are the two opportunities you have in your life. Pick up the one what you want. Then you have mm. a separate track. If you're entrepreneurial track, you go to the entrepreneurial track, become entrepreneur, and that is the end result. You'll be on your own. And it's not even the end result. You see, in, in the job track, you have to finish the school because you need a piece of paper, a diploma. Otherwise, you're no, no good in the uh, market, employment market. So you work very hard to get to the diploma so that then you qualify to be in the job market. In the entrepreneurial track, you don't need a piece of paper. You can start your business while you're in school. And most of our famous entrepreneurs never finished their school, never went to college. They become very successful entrepreneur. So education has nothing to do with how much money you make. It's only the job which needs you that. Mm. And why you need the job? Because you have to work for some entrepreneurs. And, because and they I, want to make money, they give you a piece of little crumb out of it. But but I suppose your 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 big contribution to social mobility um, was the microfinance model. I mean, and twenty seven dollars to forty two people originally, and now something which benefits tens of millions of people around the world. I mean you by definition are most definitely an entrepreneur. I mean, in terms of that journey, in terms of the work that, that, that you did, bring that to life to us in terms of, you know, it almost feels like, you know, that, that saying about from small acorns, great oak trees grow. I mean, that feels like microfinance as, as, a, as a very, very strong tree. Yeah. I just mentioned that the poverty is not created by the poor people. It's created by the system. And at the same time, I kind of give you a picture of what the poor person is. I tell that uh, if you take the seed of the tallest tree in the forest, you take the seed of the tree and plant it in a little flower pot, and the tree will grow. But it will be tiny little tree, exactly like the one, the tall tree that you saw, but it's one meter high or less than one meter high. What's wrong? The seed was a good seed. Thing that went wrong, we didn't give enough of soil to grow, enough of a space to grow for that seed. So it became a stunted tree. As a poor people, there is nothing wrong with their seed. Simply society doesn't give the space so that he and she can grow as tall as anybody else. Mm. Cannot bring out all the creative things. Creativity inside human beings is irrespective of whether you are born in a palace or you are born on the street. You have the same capability. Simply system keeps you down and it makes other guys go up. So that's where we're going to. So we have to fix the system so that everybody can grow as tall as they are supposed to be. And that's what the entrepreneurship comes. So I created microcredit uh, because I saw victims of the loan sharking. People need the money and their money comes from the loan shark. And bulk of the population live on the loan shark money because they are on their own. They have to 
live on their own efforts. They are basically micro-entrepreneurs, but nobody calls them micro-entrepreneurs. They call them informal sector. See, that's a brilliant economic mind came out with a title, informal sector. We have nothing to do with you. You have to come to the formal sector to get a job. Then we will talk. I said, no, these are the informal sector. Forget about the informal sector. This is the micro-entrepreneur sector. So where do they get the money from? Because entrepreneurship needs money, financing. They go to the loan shop. The, uh, they became loan shark because they grab everything that uh, micro-entrepreneurs are, they pick it up from them, they become rich, micro-entrepreneurs demand poor. This is the 70% of the population of the world, the micro-entrepreneurs, but there is no facility for them. There is no financing for them. So they, everybody said it cannot be done. What our thing was, we challenged it. We created something in the village and it worked. And everybody said, we need the money. So we mm. continued. So now you have millions and millions of people all around the world, in each country, poor country, everywhere. So what do they do? Provide the financing in a formal way so that they can start getting a fair uh, price for that and keep the income for themselves. That's why those millions of people who are microcredit borrowers, they show that how entrepreneurial they are. They continue to borrow money, pay you back, and you cover your cost, continue to do that. And this is what they've shown. The financing system, the uh, financing institutions that design called bank are absolutely done in a wrong way. Mm. And as a result, we created all this poverty and everything else. Now, 90% of borrowers are women. Um, I would imagine that in terms of, um, I'm interested to know why. And I'm also interested to know from you as a kind of entrepreneur and an innovator, financial innovator in this space, this isn't just a story of numbers. This is a story of human lives. And how those human lives have affected you, their stories, their impact, I guess, in terms of being recipients of, of microfinance, microcredit. It's very fascinating. that uh, the, Look at this illiterate woman in the village. Uh, she's just waiting for to get some work to do for your home, clean your home, take care of your babies, and you give you some rice, some food to eat. That's it. For exchange of little food, you work. She works for you, uh, and she cannot read. She cannot write. She has not left her village in her lifetime. That's where she grew up. That's where she is. The moment we connected her with microcredit, in the beginning, she was very cautious, very afraid of this money because they thought this will destroy her. They will not be able to pay back, and everybody will be angry with her. We encouraged her, test it out, and she tested it out, and find out that she can earn money by herself. She doesn't have to go to business school to learn that. She knows how to take care of the chickens, how to take care of the animals, how to grow some vegetables and sell it in the market because she knows everything because she's the one who does it for the other family. So now instead of doing for the other family, she grows it herself and she has the money to do that and she becomes an entrepreneur. So all these millions of stories that you hear about the women, illiterate women all over the world, become turning into entrepreneurs, not job seekers. So if the illiterate women can become entrepreneurs, with a little bit of money as an as as a uh, loan for herself, why can't we everybody else do that? Mm. I and tell the, all the graduates and everything who come out of school say we don't have a job. Why are you waiting for a job? Why didn't you start your business? And I suppose this is like the triumph of the human spirit. I mean, what you're saying is absolutely. I mean, absolutely. and and, and yeah. does that does that in terms of your own life? I'm sort of, you know, I mean, so, somebody that has made such an impact. I'm sort of thinking when you look at the impact of the idea, those sorts of things that you pull out and think, actually, these are the things, when I look back on this, that I'm proudest of, that I feel most connection with, that I feel um, are real testaments to the work here. 
be your legacy in terms of that side of it. It'd be very interesting to understand how you see it. Yeah, I, I don't see that uh, uh, what I have done is something uh, very uh, exceptional in a very smart way of doing things. It's simply a common thing. People need money. <laughs> Got you the they Nobel Prize Prize, Professor Eunice. Yes, <laughs> because nobody did that. That's the yeah. only thing. It's not because it's something very great. Everybody, oh my God, how did you figure that out? Listen, people needed money, and Lone Shark provided the money and accepted everything she got. So I said, why don't they protect her from the Lone Shark by giving her the loan myself? That's all the thought I had. So I started giving the money to the person who need, wanted to have the money from the Lone Shark. I said, don't go to the Lone Shark. They will destroy you. You have to take it from me. And I want to make sure that you can pay back the money, and that's all you have to do. Mm. And people love that. And that's the whole thing. So now it's spread all over the world. You say about 90% of the Grameen uh, Borrower women, 97% actually. And in Bangladesh, it's 97%. We run the program in the USA, it's 100% women. So all the women, the very bottom level women, they take the money. We have given uh, through Grameen America uh, $12 billion already with perfect repayment. Near 100% is over 99.5% repayment. Entire period of 12 years that we are working. So they have shown how, how talented they are. This creativity was just locked up inside. Nobody's told that, nobody pointed it out that you have the creative power to take care of yourself and take care of others. That's what I meant by saying that economists never allowed us to look at the common interest, business for common interest. So I opened that up. I said, now I can create a business for helping the people solve their own problems for mm. common interest and so on and so called it social business. So that became the more important thing because self-interest has a business for profit maximization. We created a business not to make any profit and it's to solve people's problem as a sustainable way so that you can recover the cost. That's all sustainable. Right. So that's what the social business. So in economics, now you have to teach both kinds of things. You have two opportunities for business. You can do profit maximizing business. You can also do social business, which where you don't want to make money, but you want to solve people's problems. So that's another gateway that we have opened. Well, let's open another gateway, the year 2020. Um, this is a year where I guess the pandemic has given the world a global experience in terms of facing a, a common foe. Um, you've talked about it as an opportunity to change direction, um, the reset. Give us your sense of what might come next, um, your your sense of, of where we are from a kind of a global view, I guess, in terms of something that's affecting us all very personally, but I guess is something that is very affecting for planet Earth. Yeah, in the pandemic situation, I was just uh, looking at it and reflecting like everybody else. It's a good time for reflection so everybody sees what is happening, what needs to be done. And uh, what worried me that everybody's so busy to go back to pre-pandemic situation. The economy should be started from the pre-pandemic situation. Everybody wants to put in money, billions of dollars in bailout packages, trillions of dollars in bailout packages so that you can go back to the point where pandemic didn't happen in that situation. And I'm asking simple question. So why do you want to go back? That world was a terrible world. That yeah. world is about to bust itself. And we are only we are on a countdown. We know exactly when this planet will be unlivable for human beings. Then why do you want to go back for this short period of time to destroy yourself? Because if you continue in that path, you destroy yourself. Global warming will kill everybody. 
there's nobody else. Even our children are marching on the street saying that their parents were irresponsible because they created the world which has no future for them. They said, you stole our future. Our children are blaming us. And this, you want to go back to that world? I said, this is an opportunity. Corona pandemic has stopped that machine. Now that you stop the machine, you can get off the train and we can take another train to go someplace else, which is not take us to the death. It will give us a life. So that's the question I'm raising. Is that world we don't want to go back? No going back is the decision right now. If you make the decision, everything else will follow. No going back. So interestingly, I was reading your lockdown list that accompanies this this episode, and I was reading a bit about Beethoven's Fifth Symphony, which is your favorite piece yes, of music. Yes. Something yes, I yes. didn't know was that the symbolic sim uh, significance of um, of the music is that it's a representation of fate knocking at the door. So let's finish, let's finish the interview. That, that sense of fate knocking at the door. Your final reflection. This is the greatest opportunity we got. We will not have it in many generations in future. Let's not miss this opportunity to go in a different direction. Then marching into the debt through global warming, through wealth concentration, through massive unemployment for human beings. That's not the world we want to go back. We create our own world the way we figure it out. We imagine that world and we create that world. So imagination will lead us to make it happen. We know how to take the steps. The steps are very well defined but we don't want to do it. We're so we're in a comfort zone. So we just stay happy, whatever we are doing. We don't care what the world is doing, what our children are doing. Nobody cares for that. That's the mistake that we do. We always keep ourselves busy because profit maximization is our goal, money-centric world. And we are doing a little bit okay with that. As long as that's okay, I don't want to look at whether my children are going to die on this planet or my grandchildren will never be born on this children. That's the kind of world we want to get away from. We want to mm. make sure we hand over this world, a safer and a pleasant world for our children. And they're, uh, they're, they will be handing it over to make more pleasant, more enjoyable world for their children. This is the reversal of the whole process. Well, what a place to leave. I, I have to tell you, Professor Yunus, I would have given you the Nobel Peace Prize based on that interview. Thank you very much. <laughs> Thank let's, you. Thanks a lot. Let's not miss the opportunity. What, what a story. What a message. Um, the power for us all to imagine, the power to go for it, the power to make change happen. Imagine the power of that. I'll see you for the next Changemakers. Makers.